What's up, everybody? It's ESK. It is just after 2 o'clock on Friday on the west coast of Canada. Um, I was thinking about doing this. I've been, I've been kicking around the idea of doing it and, and doing these sorts of things a little more frequently since the fine folks at Substack made putting a podcast together or at least recording myself for podcasting um, made it really easy. So now that I have the platform, now that I have the opportunity, why the hell not? And so... The reason I'm here today, the reason I'm jumping on is um, my tweet I sent out a couple hours ago mentioning that Robert Whitaker is 11-1 in the middleweight division in response to or sort of pointing out alongside the ESPN MMA uh, UFC middleweight Mount Rushmore. Before we get into it, I want to start and make it crystal clear that this is not shots fired at ESPN MMA. I know all of the people that work over there. I like all of the people that work over there. I am friends with a lot of the people that work over there. They do fantastic work. This is more a response from me or off the top of my head kind of thinking about things in a, in a bigger picture as it pertains to that graphic that they put up, which was their MMA, UFC, sorry, Middleweight Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore, which is Anderson Silva, Israel Adesanya, Chris Weidman, and Michael Bisping. My tweet, quote tweeting it, is that Robert Whitaker is is eleven and one at middleweight with as many successful title defenses as Bisping one, and it's also as many wins as Chris Weidman has with far fewer setbacks. And that it's wild to me how his loss to Izzy totally changed the way. People look at him and remember his career. And, and to me, for me, that was the bigger point of this. It wasn't to say that any of those guys don't necessarily deserve to be on there. I think we would all agree that, that Anderson Silva's place is absolutely cemented and that the run Izzy is on right now and, and what he's done and, and could add to on Saturday night puts him on that list, being undefeated, being a defending champion, having successfully defended the belt a few times already, and, and a chance to sort of start doubling up on, on some of these guys if he beats Rob again on Saturday. He's definitely on there. We can quibble and, and squabble about the last two spots. I kind of view Chris Weidman as a bit of a transitional champion, if you excuse my use of pro wrestling parlance. Um, a guy that caught Anderson Silva at the at the end when it started to go south for Anderson and then defended successfully against a few veterans that were also in that kind of on their way out or on their way down point of their careers in Vitor Belfort and Leota Machida before running into Luke Rockhold and having some trouble since then against guys that were of his class, of his generation, of his time that stayed better than him, that didn't deal with as many injuries as him. And Michael Bisping is one of those guys. I absolutely love Mike. I had lots of great conversations with him. I think his story and the arc of his career is phenomenal, but I also think it gets conflated in a way that we look at him maybe maybe greater than the whole of his career. The end of it was, was really cool, or that moment in time where he beats Anderson Silva in London, steps in and beats Luke Rockhold for the title, goes back and defends the title against Dan Henderson in Manchester in a, in a tough fight where there were some dicey moments. 
we sort of conflate that and, and blow up the rest of his career and almost forget. And, and Mike feels like the right counterweight to Rob in this case, because we, we sort of forget that for the longest time before that, Michael Bisping was not even just like, it wasn't a case of Mike is always the bridesmaid, never the bride. He was just a dude in the bridal. He was just somebody in the bridal party all the time. He couldn't even get to being the bridesmaid where he was losing these championship matches because he couldn't get to them. And I'm, listen, if you know my work, if you follow what I do, you know I am the foremost advocate for people that are, you know, number five, seven, eight, thirteen, whatever it is in the division for a long, long time being great. I wrote a piece about Jeremy Stevens a couple weeks ago when he parted ways with the UFC talking about we don't respect and and appreciate these tenured veterans for the longest time. And Michael Bisping was the standard bearer for that. He is still the guy I use as an example. And now I just have to preface it with before he won the middleweight title. And I think we sort of mix up the popularity piece of it and the ever presence of Michael Bisping. And that last little stretch where that wonderful moment in time where he won the title to kind of make it the whole of his career when the whole of his career was very, very good, but maybe not great. And that moment was great. That little stretch was great. Which brings me to Robert Whitaker, who is, as I said earlier, and, and in the tweet, 11-1 and one in the middleweight division, the losses to Izzy in their first meeting. And it, to me, feels like kind of a, a further, to, to start with the Bisping part, right? Before Mike wins the title, it's hard to really say what his best win is and feel like, man, that's a great win. There's no point where you look at it and you go, All right. it's because it's, it's maybe Alan Belcher, it's maybe Brian Stan, it's maybe all the way back to when he beats Dennis Kang at UFC 105. There are some memorable moments, but most of his big moments we remember as losses until he has the fight with Anderson in London and the fight with Luke Rockhold at UFC 199. When you look at Rob, he had some of those, he, he had better wins to me before he got to the title. And then he has those two fights with Yoel Romero 11 months apart or, or 12 months apart in the summer of 2017 and 2018, respectively, where he wins the interim title and then defends the belt, sort of. It was a non-title fight, Romero missed weight, all like that, but retains the belt. Two classic fights. First one is just one of the best in-fight adjustment gutsy efforts because he's got the bum knee and he's down 0-2 and he comes back and wins the fight clearly 48-47 um, across the board. Second fight, close fight, split decision. Not here to argue or, or legislate which way that decision would have went, but another hell of a fight against a guy that everybody for the longest time just viewed as the uncrowned champion and sort of the like shadow destroyer of the division and Rob's 2-0 and against him. And now because he's got one loss to a guy that, you know, a lot of people probably would, and, and I too would put him on my UFC middleweight Mount Rushmore and Izzy, we've suddenly kind of forgotten how great Robert Whitaker was. We've we've sort of forgotten that outside of Izzy, he is clearly the best middleweight in the UFC right now. And that has been the case for me for the last, I don't know, four or five years. He won the belt in 2017. He knocked out Jacare in 2017. So that's how far back we go. And, and even before that, he knocked out Brunson and he 
had a great fight with Uriah Holland and Brad Tavares knocked out Brad Tavares when people weren't knocking out Brad Tavares. I mean, people don't knock out Brad Tavares all that much because Brad Tavares is tough as hell. But it just feels kind of zooming out. Like this is a thing we do pretty regularly, unfortunately, is, is sort of make it a either or argument as opposed to a him and him and her and her and and look at sort of the the complete depth or breadth of a situation and so the analogy I'll use is is Daniel Cormier right for the longest time if you thought about saying and I said it all the time because I still feel this way that Daniel Cormier is a great UFC fighter or a great MMA fighter and arguably one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time, you would get all the people that jump out and go, oh, but John Jones, oh, well, he never beat John Jones. As if the argument was Daniel Cormier is greater than John Jones, which was never the argument. It was that Daniel Cormier could be great despite the fact that he couldn't get over the hump. And my counter to all the John Jones people was if the bar we're using to measure greatness is could he beat the absolute greatest fighter I've ever seen compete with my own two eyes? And when we say no, we say, oh, well, that means he can't be great. That's a ridiculous bar. That's an absolute stupid measure to me because it's just setting things too high. Like it, it's failing to acknowledge everything else that Daniel Cormier did simply because he couldn't do what no one else has officially been able to do thus far. And that's beat John Jones. And it feels like that's what's happened with Rob here is that he lost to Izzy. And it was a bad loss. He got knocked out. He got dropped at the end of the first. He looked bad at the end of that fight. And because that happened and we have a current active representative for the division that can go on that Mount Rushmore and that can be the standard bearer for the division, we sort of moved off Rob and forgotten or, or don't look at everything else he's done outside of that fight. It's just that worst moment in time. It's just that worst performance that he's being judged by. And for me, that's just such a terrible way to do it. Like it's just a poor way to judge things and to rate things because outside of that, he's 11 and 0 and he's got wins over a whole bunch of ranked fighters. And he comes into this weekend where we're talking about Jared Cannonier maybe earning a title shot if he beats Derek Brunson. And Robert Whitaker has beaten both of them and beat both of them handily. Now, the Derek Brunson fight was several years ago. Brunson's a different fighter, but Rob's also a different fighter. Whatever. On the books, he has beaten the two guys that are currently jockeying for position in the championship chase. His only loss is to the guy that has the belt. And yet somehow we're kind of just dismissing him as this pedestrian member of the middleweight class when to me that is just not the case at all if you want to say he's the silver medalist fine do you understand how difficult it is to win a silver medal do you understand how talented you have to be to be the second best person in the world in that moment at your given sport this is a thing that i think we lose and we forget in mma because we are so hell-bent on reordering the all-time great list and on making new pound-for-pound -pound rankings and rushing to change who's ranked where after every single individual performance without going back and actually looking at things in totality. 
And that's the piece for me with this and kind of with, with a lot of stuff lately that I've seen that I've either, you know, popped off about on Twitter or written about on the newsletter or just thought about, stewed about here at home, kicking around, screaming in my own headphones, making voice recordings that I don't put out anywhere, which probably will now come out places because Substack has given me this opportunity. But it's, we, we just forget that there's there's more to it than that. We don't look beyond the stuff that we remember. And a lot of people want to argue that, oh, it's because it's hard and the schedule is so much. And so you forget these, these things that happened four or five months ago or whatever. And my counter to that is that we're in an age and a time where research and access to this information has never been greater. We have Wikipedia for most fighters. And if we don't have, and if fighters don't have a Wikipedia page, we have databases like Tapology and like SureDog. We have UFC Fight Pass where we can go and watch every fight that's happened in the UFC or just about every fight that's happened in the UFC. You can go and see what these people have done. You can go and track down. Does it take time? Does it take energy? Does it take effort? Absolutely. And if you're going to put this, these kinds of things out and if you want to have these discussions or, or start these discussions or put out graphics or tweets or whatever it is that are going to, that are intended to generate these discussions, to me, there is a responsibility and there is an onus on you as the creator of that to show me your work, to put as much energy and effort into it as humanly possible so that you come as close to getting it right. And I understand that lists and rankings and things like that are subjective, but that's fine. Tell me why these are your people. Tell me who else was in consideration. Give me a, like, I, I'm somebody that I would like to see your long list. I would like to see your short list. I would like to see how you got down to these four in the case of the, the UFC middleweight Mount Rushmore. I would like to see how the top 25 was created when ESPN MMA did their top 25 under 25 because that list didn't make any sense to me either. We, we just feel, it just feels to me, and listen, if I'm wrong, jump in the mentions and tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm crazy. Tell me I think about this stuff too much, whatever it is. But it just feels to me like there's a lack of, of it's not even just context. And it's, it's not a lack of effort. It's a lack of complete effort, if that makes sense. It's kind of forgetting history. It's, it's not knowing history or forgetting history. It's not wanting to go back and look beyond what we remember off the top of our head. And I mean, as I get older, I'm 43 now, I'm not remembering things off the top of my head the way I once did 10 years ago when I could tell you who fought who three months back, six months back, eight months back, whatever it is. But I know where the resources are and I'm better at finding that information. I do a better job now as a researcher when I'm putting this kind of stuff together, when I'm talking about things in historical context or where they rank currently and who beat who and, and how things could match up because I know where to go to find all of that stuff. And it feels to me and again, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Tell me. I'm here to listen. This isn't a one-way street. I'm here to hear the other side of any argument people want to make. But it feels to me like the effort isn't quite there. And we're stuck in this kind of situation or time where we conflate 
popularity with success where we conflate presence and and visibility almost with success and we don't talk about the people that are successful and quiet or successful and you know out of the spotlight the same way we talk about people that are in the spotlight the the preference or the greater focus is given to people that are in the spotlight and crave the spotlight and want to be in there rather than the people that handle their business and then just dip out and go do do their thing. And in Rob's case, it's it's do their thing in Australia, which I think certainly factors into this. And it it's wild to me because it's it's it leads to not necessarily presenting to me complete pictures. And I'm a complete picture kind of guy. I'm a, let me see all of it. Let me understand. Let me see who's on your honorable mentions. Let me see. It's why I did the others receiving votes awards this year, rather than just do, you know, the, the standard fighter of the year. I want to talk about the people that aren't getting mentioned in this stuff because they still had great years. And so to see a list like this come out and to see this Mount Rushmore come out, and as I said, we can we can quibble about who makes it. For me, Rob makes it. Michael Bisping doesn't. Maybe Chris Weidman doesn't. I mean, that's that's the other part of it. Maybe maybe you don't put Chris Weidman on it, even though he beat Anderson Silva. Again, we can get at me. We can have this discussion. I'm going to be thinking about it. I will absolutely let you know on Sunday on Next Day Takeaways who ends up being my Mount Rushmore and, and whether Rob's in it and, and who those last two spots go to. But it's wild, right? Because we just kind of just feels like there's there's a forgetfulness almost. There's a there's a rush to get it out and to put a few people on it and to rearrange rankings and make different arguments. And and we're not we don't we don't do things with totality. We don't we don't look at full pictures. We don't zoom out. We stay pretty narrow focused. And pretty one-track minded about a lot of things. And and it just feels like that's doing these athletes and the way we cover this sport, the way we talk about this sport, a bit of a disservice. And I know I sound like a dick when I say it. And I know people think that it's me being super critical of all of these other people that do terrific work that are my friends, that I am proud of what they do and proud to stand alongside. There's also just more that we can all do. And, and I think stuff like this where we forget how great someone is because it was a few years ago and there's somebody currently better than him in the division, which may change in, you know, a little over 24 hours time at UFC 271. It's just wild to me. That's all. I have this opportunity to be able to jump on here and record these things and, and share my thoughts. I hope, you know, there's going to be some people that agree. I know hit me up and I got to close out this this call from Danny Austin, my boy, and, and call him back in a minute. Um, there have been some people that agree with me on Twitter. There have been some people that have shared the same thoughts of like, it's wild that we forget how, how great Rob is. And there's some people that probably think I'm crazy and that's cool. And I, I want to hear from everybody. And so I put this together just to kind of explain a little more what went into that tweet and, and what goes into my thinking with stuff like this. I hope you understand. I hope you like it. If you don't, if you don't understand, if you disagree, that's good too. I'm here for discussion. I'm here for debates. But let's do everything in full context. Let's do everything using all the information available to us. Let's not forget how great a guy like Robert Whitaker is, how great a fighter Robert Whitaker is, 
just because he lost one fight in 12 appearances at middleweight. 